Okay, before you sit down, before you sit down, let's just give an offering of prayer to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Father God, we appreciate that you give us the privilege to rest in you, to come here, to worship to an audience of one. Um, We're so thankful. Even when we don't feel it, we know we should be thankful, so we want to praise you for that. We think about those that can't be here this morning because of physical illness, because of recovery. We ask that you be with them. We pray for others, Lord, that uh, are traveling, that you be with them. But thank you, Lord, for this incredible, wonderful privilege you give to us. In your name we pray. And everyone said, you may be seated. Have you ever noticed that we live in a very unrestful culture? And we have things that were meant to free us. We call them labor-saving devices, (laughs) technologies. And yet it seems like they further enslave us. Let's be honest. We take many of those devices everywhere we go. And even when we put them on silent mode, you know, they got a silent mode. What do they do? They vibrate to let us know that they are still there. And they're constantly on. In fact, I watch people go into panic when their battery is low. Like it might shut down. Now they're supposed to connect us. And yet it seems like they cause us to be further isolated than ever. Think about it this way. And be honest. If someone doesn't respond back to our, your text or your call right away, don't you get frustrated? And you start saying things like, well, you know, what do they have a cell phone for in the first place if they're not going to answer me right away? But constant busyness, unrestfulness. Now, we're going to see how old you are this morning. How many people remember blue laws? Raise your hand. Okay. The younger ones are thinking, what is a blue law? Believe it or not, when Bev and I moved to Canada in 1984, Canada still had blue laws. Blue laws were laws instituted by a country that said no business was allowed to transact business on Sunday. Now you start thinking about that and you say, well, we're far too down the pike to ever do that again. And yet, let me read an article that came out of Poland this past week. Here's what it said. As Americans bum-rushed retail stores nationwide last week to flex their consumer muscles, Poland voted to take the country in a much different direction. Poland voted last week to phase out shopping on Sundays. Now, note the reason why. In order to provide workers nationwide with a day of rest... To underscore the need to restore Sunday to a society as a day of rest and a time of building family ties as well as strengthening social relationships. They point out also that Sunday rest cannot be a luxury for the chosen few, but is an integral part of equal treatment for all employees. Therefore, there is an urgent need to make all Sundays free from work. I thought, wow, what a courageous whatever they call their government, to initiate and enact those kinds of laws based on those reasons. In America, the noise and pace have become so routine that we no longer know how to rest. 
Bill Bishop wrote a book called The Big Sort. And what this book is about, let me give you a background, then I'm going to go to a quote. He writes that we have geographically, politically, and even spiritually, we sort ourselves into like-minded groups in which we silence dissent, grow with more extreme in our thinking, and consume only the facts that support our beliefs, making it easier to ignore evidence that our positions might be wrong. Now here's what he says. Look at this quote. As a result, we now live in a giant feedback loop, constant noise, constant information, constant reassuring that we're right. Hearing our own thoughts about what is right and wrong bounce back to us by television shows we watch, the newspapers and books we read, the blogs we visit online, the sermons we hear, and the neighborhoods we live in. In other words, we fill ourselves with constant unrest and noise to prove that we are right and everybody else is wrong. You need an example? Look at the political rhetoric. Whenever a bill is presented, have you ever noticed that the one side says, here's what's in the bill. The other side says, no, here's what's in the bill. And they're polar opposites. We live in a restless society and we do violence to ourselves and to one another because of that. And we blame things around us and we fail to realize it's a heart issue. Because it's a heart issue, cynicism and distrust have a stranglehold on our hearts. But there's a cure. There is something that reorients our hearts and it's called Sabbath rest. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read some select scriptures. This is a scripture that's part of what we call the Ten Commandments. Those things that seem to upset certain people when they're posted somewhere. And yet when you realize what this says, it's beneficial for society. Whether or not they believe in God or not, it is beneficial because God designed us and he made us for Sabbath rest. But here's what the author of Exodus says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. It's kind of like a hired hand. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, when you start throwing the Sabbath year, every seventh year, that was a year of rest. The year of Jubilee, that was a two-year rest. The Sabbath year in the 49th, 49th year. And then on the 50th, they rested. And it really boils down to an issue of trust. God's saying, listen, do you trust me enough to rest in me when I say rest and I'll take care of all the rest. It's a trust issue. But what does all this mean? I mean, you take the Hebrew word Sabbat, Sabbath. It literally means to cease working, to rest. And it's related to the word seven. But again, what does this mean? I think St. Augustine put together a thought that really kind of envelops this. And so I want to put that on the screen. And here's what it says. 
Thou hast made us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. Now, the first thing I want to do is address the urgency and the importance of the Sabbath rest. The urgency and the importance. Now, last week, and when we were studying Nehemiah, again, Nehemiah came and there was this call back to the laws of God. And one of those laws was keeping the Sabbath rest. And remember that verse we looked at last week, how when he left and came back and there was this drift and they were starting to transact business again with foreigners on the Sabbath, he got a little upset (laughs) and he cursed them and he beat some of them and he pulled out their hair. I mean, you sense a sense of urgency, right? This was something that really was vital, important to our humanity. Now look at Exodus chapter 31, beginning at verse 12. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel, and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Sabbaths being Sabbath day rest, the Sabbath year, and the year of Jubilee. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Now, just stop there for a moment. Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? I mean, why would God institute what we call capital punishment for something like this? I mean, in our day and age, we push and we move and we are so distracted, we don't even think about resting for a day. He says, everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut from among his people. I mean, here's what he's saying. You want to disconnect yourself from people? You want to grow distant? You want to feel isolated? You want to feel left out? You want to bring death to your soul? And, you know, we do this to ourselves, he says. Just ignore the rest that God says you need. Just keep going, keep pushing, keep moving towards what the world calls success, and you will isolate, you will bring death to your souls, you'll bring death to relationships around you. Look at verse 15. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest. Holy to the Lord, Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Again, he reemphasizes this. The importance. He's saying you could die. In fact, in their law, he says you will die. I also think he's saying, and he's telling us, that we will die a slow death if we fail to keep it. Remember the drift? And drift is like just drinking a little portion of poison each day and wondering why we don't feel well. But if you do it long enough and often enough throughout the years, it will kill you. And so what happens in our own souls when we give ourselves over to idols, to the lies of our world, they capture us, they direct us, they control us. And they do kill us. In verse 16, therefore, The people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. 
It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh he rested and was refreshed. That's the importance and the urgency. It's incredibly important to life. Now, there's two primary purposes we just read about. The first was rest. That's the purpose. And think about what makes you tired. Think about what makes you tired physically. Think about what makes you tired emotionally. And think about what makes you tired in your souls. Now, it's different for everyone, okay? Let's take emotional rest. Let's take the introvert versus the extrovert. If I'd asked you this question, what breathes life into you? The introvert would say something like this. Just let me alone. I want to be alone. I'm going to go off somewhere where I can just sit down, reflect, be quiet. And that restores my soul. The extrovert says, let me meet with a large group of people. (laughs) That energizes me. In fact, if you leave me alone, I'll get really tired. But what energizes me It's just being around people, being energized by those. So in those two different situations, our diversity is seen on how, what fills us emotionally. I had a staff member one time who was married well over three decades. And one time I was sitting down with them and, and she looked at me and says, you know, she goes, we have never gone on vacation. I should say this. She was an introvert. He was an extrovert. He goes, all these years, we've never gone on vacation alone by ourselves. We always have to go with other people. In fact, she goes, when we travel to the place, there has to be other people in the car. So I ordered that staff person to take his wife. In fact, I made reservations and said, you're going to go here. You're going to take your wife and you're not allowed to take anybody. And he kind of looked down like, really? I said, really? He came back and he goes, you know, he goes, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) I thought, man, he is an expert par none. But, you know, our emotions need rest. We've got to do things that rest our emotions. Our bodies need physical rest. They can only take so much. Our souls need rest. That spiritual part of who we are. So one of the primary reasons is rest. The other, did you pick up in verse 13? It's to sanctify us. It's to set us apart. From being different from this world. We don't chase the same idols. We don't have the same core values. We live differently. Sanctified to be holy means to be set apart. And what is it we set apart and keep sacred? When you start thinking about setting something apart, what do you think about? Well, you think about how important it is and you think about how we give our lives over to it. So setting apart God brings himself into our lives. And holiness, however you want to define it, is becoming more like him. And we have to take time to be with him if you're going to know him. If you're going to imitate him, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, you got to spend time. So this whole rest, yes, we, we pull apart, but we rest in him. The purpose is to sanctify us. Let's talk about idols for a moment. I know we always think of little statues and other religions, but let me use a different word to give the word idol clarity. 
want to use the word addiction. It's something that we say we cannot or will not live without. And in America, we are addicted to busyness. And we fill our lives with things that keep us from God, that drive us. And that's why so many people live with fear, a lack of contentment and trust, and, and worry, a lack of trust. We, we have to be in control, and there's anxiety. It's why the book of Romans, Paul writes these words in chapter 1. He says, you know, when you don't honor God as God, when you're not thankful, he says your minds become empty and your hearts grow dark. And we have a perfect illustration of that in Scripture. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, those groups of people, they killed Jesus, the very Messiah they faithfully prayed for and claimed to have worshipped. The one they studied hard for, the one they knew all the Scriptures, the one they had this, this whole image of, this is how God will come. And because Jesus didn't fit that paradigm, they killed him. See, that's what being unrestful does. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. We see God taking a Sabbath rest. In the first three verses, we read this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. You know the word finished. It's coming up several times. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. There's that whole sanctification thing. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So why did God rest? Was he tired? No. There's other scripture that talks about God doesn't get tired. Why did he rest? Because it was finished. And there's two things that he did. He blessed it and he sanctified it. And so when you start thinking about this Sabbath rest, you realize what happens is it is a way that God blesses us. It's also a way that God, in his design, makes us holy. We got to take the time out. We got to sit down with him. We got to reflect and be in his presence and understand our purpose and our design. Otherwise, our idols take over and we move at such a pace, we don't even have the time to say hi as we pass Jesus. Isaiah chapter 58, just listen to this. I'll put it on the screen. And I put this out of the message. But listen to what this says. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy... God's holy day as a celebration. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you a feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. So if you honor him with the Sabbath rest... It helps you identify where God is moving in your life. When people tell me, I don't see God at work, I'm thinking, you need a rest. Because God is at work. And God is doing incredible things. And if we don't see it, it's because we put idols in our lives that do not allow us. We blinded ourselves. 
If you honor him with Sabbath rest, then you get to celebrate who you are. I hear a lot of people say, I don't like who God made me to be. I say, you need to take a rest because if you rested in him, you would understand how special you are. If you honor him with Sabbath rest, then it helps us identify where God is moving among us as a body. And we can celebrate who we are as a body. But most of us are moving so fast and our lives are cluttered with idols that there's no time to reflect and there's no time to listen. And so God is saying, practice Sabbath rest. Because when you rest with someone, what you do is you clear your schedule and you're simply with them. And so God is saying during the Sabbath, what you need is you need a time out. You need to spend some time with me. You need to come and worship me and I will bless you and I will make you holy. And it's not fast food rest. It's a deep abiding rest. We often talk about the core values of Christmas. During Advent, peace, joy, love. You don't get those things without practicing Sabbath rest. You can't sing those songs. You know, how great our joy without practicing Sabbath rest. And this consumer-oriented economy, because we do not rest in God, we become consumers of religion rather than lovers of God. And we become consumers of religion, then we go find the best deal in the town. And while we are called to worship to an audience of one, church really becomes about us. We who have so much have so little rest. And we become entitled victims. And we allow the lies of our culture to enter our lives. You know, Satan is called the father of lies. He's called the accuser of the people. And he whispers in our ears things that are not true. And if we listen to those whispers, it disorients our hearts. But these lies enslave us. These addictions, they deceive us. M. Scott Peck wrote a book back in the 70s. It's called People the Lie. And really the summation of the book is this. He says, we are so good at lying to ourselves that our hearing and our seeing corresponds to our lives. You know, scripture talks about deception and how we deceive ourselves. But these lies destroy our rest and they make us tired And they isolate us and make us feel alone. And we long for things and experiences that will not satisfy. So true Sabbath rest. It orients our minds and our hearts to him. True Sabbath rest brings gratefulness and contentment and generosity. True Sabbath rest because he wants to bless us. We see his blessing and then in turn we bless others. True Sabbath rest helps us to become holy. I mean, think about the amazing gift that God gives. It's himself. Through his son, Jesus Christ. And through that son, he invites us into relationships with him. In Romans 9, verses 25 and 26, again, I want to quote this out of the message. Listen to what this says. Hosea put it well 
I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them feel beloved. In a place where they yelled out, you're nobody. They're calling you God's living children. And see, the gift is this. Well, the world says that you are not good enough. And the world criticizes, judges, and condemns you. God says, listen, you're one of mine. You're a beloved. You're a loved. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child of the king. You're God's living children. Isn't that worth at least one amen? Boy, that was weak. You're a son and daughter of the king. Better. But you know what? Truth is, we've lost the wonder of God because we've lost the Sabbath rest. Jesus says it this way. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Truth will set you free. Come to me, anyone and everyone who is weary, and I will give you rest. And our rest is not defined by our past. Amen? Our rest is not defined by our circumstances, which means they don't control us. We are not defined by our brokenness. I heard a few amens on that one. I'll say it again. We're not defined by our brokenness. Rather, and this is the beauty of what happens when we rest in God. Rather, we are loved, we are blessed, and we are free. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to close with a song. It asks a question and it tells us, what child is this? But I do want to invite those this morning that are here. And I get for us Christians, we kind of get distracted and we're busy and we need to recommit and reconnect to this whole Sabbath rest. I don't know about you, but it's something I have to practice each week because my schedule fills up with too much stuff. And there's always another thing to do. And we just need to learn to chill. Okay? Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to learn how to chill. Okay, stop there, stop there. You enjoy telling other people that too much. Now what you have to do is look at yourself and say, I need to learn how to chill. Okay? But if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you have never entered into what we call the rest of salvation, you never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you need to make that commitment I'm just going to ask you to stand up and we're going to have someone meet with you to make sure you know what you're doing and I go from there. So is there anyone here who would like to make that commitment to Christ? Just kind of stand up right now. I'm going to stand back for a second so I can get out of the lights. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for giving us Sabbath rest. I pray that our gratitude turns into action and we actually practice it. That we learn to honor you. That we learn to give in gratitude for everything that we have. That we learn to allow you to bless us, to sanctify us. And in turn then we bless others and we help people to become set apart for you. So teach us, Lord. 
Because many of us are tired and many of us are weary. And many of us just fill our lives up with stuff because we're just trying to fix things we cannot fix. Both in ourselves and other people. But I pray, Lord, that we learn to just sit and rest in you and trust you and honor you and love you the way that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for this. In your name we pray. Amen.